are now tuning in by way of the uh, webcast, and I absolutely appreciate that. We're getting some great emails and phone calls uh, from your people around the country, and uh, a lot of you are getting help. Some people don't like it, but others do, and that's fine with me. If you'd like to call in and be a part of uh, this morning's services, you can call 1-800-411-BOND, 1-800-411-2663. Lines are open now. If you'd like to email us, you can email your questions and put your name and town, name and town on your email, radio, uh, church at bond, church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, and put your name and town, name and town on your email. And it must be concerning today's topic, all right? That's the only thing we're dealing with today. And again, welcome, and good morning to you guys. Welcome here this morning. Good morning. I'm glad to be back. I've been away for a while. I was at the uh, com uh, up at the Democratic Convention there in Colorado. Very interesting uh, experience. We were protesting uh, abortion there, protesting in front of Planned Parenthood. Uh, over 16 million black babies have been aborted since the early 70s, and every day 1,500 black babies are, are dying inside the woman's womb. Um, Planned Parenthood has a new abortion meal where they move from the white community to the black community and there's only a handful of black Americans in that city. And uh, it, this place is so big, it's like, look like a big hotel or something. And uh, they are definitely impacting the black community in a negative way. We also want the government to stop funding them because of what's happening, the genocide upon not just black babies, but white babies and others as well. So it was interesting, it was fun. I love being a, fun, a part of this spiritual battle. There's nothing, nothing, nothing like a good, don't you like wake up in the morning like, you know what, thank you God, I'm going out to fight a spiritual battle today. Do you guys wake up thanking God for that? No? <laughs> you don't? You don't thank God that, you know what, my life is spiritual and I'm going out here and beat the devil over the head today. Anybody do that? Wow. No wonder we're losing. <laughs> God said that we should be happy about this battle. Rejoice in a time of tribulation. In tough times, that's when you become a better person. If you're not waking up rejoicing about dealing with life, and I don't mean jumping up and down, hooping and hollering, but with, a, with an attitude of, you know, right on, I'm going to take this on, then you're not going to win your, your own personal battles. It's the way it is, and we've got to deal with it, so you must, might as well deal with it with joy and not be upset about it. But I'll try to get you guys pumped up today. Um, any questions about anything that we have discussed in the last couple meetings? I wasn't here last week. Anybody have any questions about anything? No life. Nobody had a life. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. You, you make me do, you know, really have to do my job. What was, what, was the, uh, what was the assignment for last week? Anybody remember? Don't say what it is if you remember what it is, what it was. Are you guys on drugs today? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Look like everybody hit, hit the joint this morning. <laughs> I want a joint. But you were here a week before last, though. It's the same assignment as week before last. What was it there? Wasn't here. Week before last, you were here. No, I was not. Oh, you were not here. Uh, You were here, right? Don't tell me. Okay. You were here, though, right? Yes. And, uh, okay, what was it, the assignment? Well, 
I recall was our, um, how we relate to Jesus, how we see him. Yes. Right? And who is Jesus and uh, who, who is Jesus and what does he mean to you? And what does he mean to you? Mm -hmm. You remember that? Yes. Anybody remember that? <clears throat> yes. Yes, no. <laughs> yes. Let me say, it's so important to know who Jesus is because everybody and their mama talk about Jesus. But when you really ask them about Jesus, they don't know too much about him. They just, uh, you know, quote the Bible back, back to you about Jesus. But they haven't really thought about who is Jesus and what does he mean to me. And, and if you don't start questioning these things, you're never really going to get to where you want to go to in life. It's just simply not going to happen. All right. So did anybody think about him? This I guess not, huh? If you didn't yes. know what the Sunday was. Anybody thought about him in these last two weeks? Yes. Yes. You did. And and who is he and what does he mean to you? <clears throat> well, I I think he represents uh, consciousness. I said that. Don't don't steal my words. I said oh, that's a, <laughs> come up with your own stuff, buddy. Right. Right. That um. I think if we are what he is, we're not in our egos too much, in the world too much, of where he is and his presence, and then we can make that separation. And that's, I think, where the battle's easier, if you are where you're supposed to be, virtually. You're not engaging too much in the world. How has that helped you to know that? To identify what isn't, you know, you have to identify, how would you say, um, if you want to use the word the enemy or whatever, um, what isn't of the light and uh, through prayer, the more I pray actually, the one you teach, I'm more centered that way and I could, it's easier to see what is not of God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, in the black right there, did you think about this anymore? Yes, I did. And what did you come up with? Um, well, for me, Jesus is perfection and I know that because of his death and his resurrection my spirit is perfect and what the way that affects me is because I, I no longer have to worry about what's happening on the outside of me my body I'm, I'm learning to deal specifically with the perfection of Jesus and the perfection of my spirit and bring that inner perfection out to be like Jesus is. Jesus and God are, are one and I am in them and I'm learning that through in my spirit. Okay. I'm becoming perfect in him. How many of you still have anger? You just can't continue to give it up. Only two people? Three. Four or five. Come on. Robert doing this. So some of you still have anger, okay. Is it possible to know him and still have anger? You say no? No. And why do you say no? Um, probably because I've heard you say it before. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think that I have insight, but um, a little bit of insight. Right. You know, I know that if you, you can't have love and anger at the same time. Yeah. Um, I spoke at a church while in Colorado, and it was real activist kind of people. They're out there protesting and really working hard and they're good, decent people. And I asked, how many of you have anger? And 
Lots of people raise their hands. And I said, well, how many of you believe in God? Lots of them raise their hands, right? And so after my talk, I mean, some of the people just broke down and talked about how bad things are at home and how bad things are in their relationships. And they're not able to talk about it in their churches because the preachers don't bring it forth. You know, they just come and preach and leave. And, and so I asked the question, how is it that you think you can believe in Jesus and still be unhappy? You know, there is no way at all that you can believe in Jesus and still have uh, void in your life. You know, so you lack peace in your life. There's no way that you can believe in Jesus and still be miserable in your homes, you know, while out there fighting for these issues, which are important issues. But I noticed that people really, they don't question that. Or if they question it, they'll make up excuses about it. Well, I'm not perfect. You know, uh, the flesh is, will, is weak, but the spirit is willing. They'll make up excuses about it. As long as you're making up excuses about your unhappiness and say that you believe in Jesus, you're never going to get better. You really got to, God said we should think on these kinds of things. Not about what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to sleep, who our friends are, but on these spiritual things that will bring life to you, that will bring understanding. And when you read the Bible, it clearly say that you can't know him and be unhappy. You can't know him and, and feel like you still need love. I don't feel like I need love. You know, there's nothing in me that cries out for love anymore from anybody because he's given me perfect love. And if you have perfect love, then you don't have to be looking for it in all the wrong places with the Bible under your arms. You know what I mean? So we really do need to think about these kinds of things. And when we come here, I tell you guys, think about these things. Here's what you need to look at and, and examine. Because if you desire to know, if you seek first the kingdom of God in his right way, he will open up your heart so that you can start to see. But if you're halfway doing it and off and on about it, lukewarm about it, it's just a waste of time. It's best to just suffer until you're ready to change. You know, and that way you're not deceiving yourself. That makes sense? Yes. It's best to just say, you know what, I'm just going to party until the cows come home. And when the cows come home, and then I'll seek God. Then you may find him. Yes, sir? No, I... I've realized about myself uh, over this last week that, um, you know, in relation to Jesus, that um, Jesus is, is what he is because unlike Adam and Job, those two um, uh, figures in the Bible, he was willing to stay with God um, all through the... Th through the uh, greatest hell that you, you know that that was thrown at him, whereas you know Job Job failed, um, Adam enjoyed his consciousness, enjoyed what he was, up until the point where um, a little, you know, pain or temptation or something came his way, and then he was willing to part company. Yeah. And Job, same way, he he lasted up until a certain point. And it just overwhelmed him, and you know he he was like lamenting his great sacrifice to God, and and Jesus, like it says in Revelation, where um, you know there was this scroll that uh, nobody could go near or touch or open, and the um, the man who was having Revelation wept 
because there was nobody who was able to do it. And it was an important scroll, I guess, for the salvation of all. And um, only um, the Lamb, which is Christ, came forward and, and, and could open the scroll because he is the only one in all of heaven and, or earth or hell who was perfect in that he was willing to lay down his ego completely, entirely. And he had a lot to be egotistical about. You know, all of heaven and earth was made through him and the angels and everything. And yet he was the most perfect in laying down his ego, which is really what separated him and completed him. How does that relate to you? Well, see, I'm more like the Adam. If, if I enjoy the consciousness that I get from meditating, but when it comes to, you know, some, some stressful situations, I'm more of, I'll, I'll sell out. You know, I'll go back, I'll go back by way of the devil. You know, I'll believe, I'll believe some of the thoughts and start to act out those instead of being perfect in my loyalty to the one who gave me my consciousness. Yeah, that's a very good point, very good point. I want you guys to think about this, and I don't want you to rely on me. I don't want you to rely on the preacher. You got to rely on yourself, on God, to know the truth. Because the preacher can deceive you. He really can. The preacher can, you could put the preacher in the place that stands between you and God and never know him. A preacher or a teacher come and tell you, don't look at me. Here's where you look. It's within. The one thing that Jesus did is whenever the people came upon him and when he went and spoke to the crowd, he made sure that they understood that it wasn't about him. He made sure that they didn't glorify him. You know, he was telling them really about themselves and what they can do and the ability that they had to do it. He was like an outer consciousness for the blind, you know, those who could not see. It's like when you, if you are the type of person to do the right thing and you go around people who are doing wrong, they automatically feel guilty without you saying anything. Have you noticed that? And then they accuse you of them feeling guilty. Well, you're making me feel this way. I haven't said anything to you. Why are you feeling this way, right? And that's what Jesus was. He brought light into the world, into the world of darkness. And um, he said to the people, you know, the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. Don't, don't praise me when he raised people from the dead. It's not me, but it's the, my father inside of me. He's doing this. And you could do the same thing, he said. It's not like I'm not some great guy that's doing something better than what you can do. You can raise people from the dead if you have faith because you have the presence of God inside of you already. The, the same power that I'm working from, you can work from it too. When uh, he said before Abraham, I am, meaning that he is. He's here yesterday, he's here now, he's here tomorrow. And we are too, if we connect with our spirit and not being, stop being so earthy and worldly, we will see that we do have this great power. There's someone that dwells in us that brings us joy and peace and perfect love and the ability to uh, defeat evil, not only in our personal life, but the world around us. But if you don't really seek after him to know this for yourself, you're never going to find it. you got to seek after him. You got to be still and know God. And that's all he did. He came to so that we can believe in him, meaning that we can believe the truth. And if we can believe the truth, we can believe in God. We, we, we are not believe, we're believing 
in Jesus, but really believing in God by way of Jesus. It's like with our children, if they believe the parents, they're going to be okay. But if the parents are all off balance, the kids are going to be messed up. So Jesus was just another person, and yet a very important person. But he was just telling us what we have, the power that we have now. We don't have to be defeated in life. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be afraid because we have the presence of God inside of us. That's all he was telling us. And thank God for that because we needed somebody to believe in. We needed the truth to believe in because around them at the time were all lies. Look at the folks now. They love lies. You know, the bigger the lie, the better it is. If I came to you and said, you know what? If I walked in here today and said, you guys don't have to worry. I'm going to provide for you. Stay home tomorrow. I'm going to give you free health care, free everything. Your bus tokens and everything. You'll like be applauding. Yeah, save us, Jesus. Thank you. Appreciate it, right? But if I put it off on you, you got to do it for yourself. You're not well liked, you know. And we got the power in us, and he made that clear. And when you come out of your imagination, when you let go of your anger, you start to live that way because now you start to see by a different source. And everything that comes out of you is perfect, and it's love, and it gives life. And the more you give, the more you receive. But you've got to seek first the kingdom of God. You've got to overcome the darkness of your imagination. And that's all he talked about. He told you where to look inside. He said God is there. It's not me, but the Father in me. He causes me to do these things. And honestly, we have the same ability right now. You're not going to feel it, taste it, or touch it, but it's there. He will come into you, and he will separate you from the darkness of your imagination and cause you to live. We have so many timid people in the world, and it's absolutely amazing. It is. A guy told me, this same guy that I'm going to have on the show, I like this guy, a good friend. He said, women are greater than men. They are smarter. They are better than men. And he's married. And I said, well, why do you say that? Well, my wife and I, my wife left me, and I suffered for it. I, 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 I was just lost. She left me for a whole month, and I, I was seeing ghosts in my home, and I was so destroyed. And when she came back, I felt life again. So women are better than men. And I said, so why? So why? Because Jesus was born through the woman, and that's what made her better. I'm like, man, we got to talk. Will you come on my show? But that's what he's been taught in his church. That's what he's believing. He doesn't understand what's going on, and it's just confusing everything. Isn't that amazing? Uh, did I see your hand, Scott? Yep. Hmm. Um, so how do you know whether you're, if it's not a feeling, how do you know that you're ready to, like, let's say, you know, when you ask that question, you know, who is Jesus? Right. Um, I have to say, like, n nothing comes to mind. Um, somebody in my family had been at that meeting where you discussed that, and they mentioned to me sort of a description of what you expressed it to be. But if I sort of tried to push that out, like, nothing, literally nothing came. Right. And I don't really study the Bible or anything, so I, I don't really have anything to kind of make up to kind of, you know, put some answer out there. That's kind of so, good, too. Yeah, no, that, that is good. Yeah. Um, so I'm left at this point where I, you know, I don't know. Um, I know that I, I believe you that it's that it's good to know. Yes. But I guess what my question is: How do I know? I'm not sure if I really want to like investigate these kinds of spiritual <laughs> questions, like that yes. kind of a question. Like there's a desire to more just you know live and do my kind of like you know daily worldly thing instead of 
you know, think about who Jesus is. Right. And if it's not a feeling, how do you know that you're ready? Like, I can be honest and say, I don't know. But how do I know that I'm ready to actually know and to, you know, find out the answer to this question? Very good question. Perfect, 100% good question. And just to be fair, you know, to try to help others, Ed really wanted to just tell you how to, you will know. You know I, I see it, it might. Yeah, I see it all over him. <laughs> A very good question. And it can be answered, and the Holy One will do it for I you. Was, I was not listening. You were not listening? Sorry. What's wrong with you today? I, my mind was wandering. Where? Just thinking about the fact that I hadn't really stood up for what I believe in a situation. And uh, uh, that I, uh, as a result of that, had compromised. Uh, I had been looking for an answer on what to do on a particular situation that worked for a long time. Yes. And I, I hadn't stood up for, for a basic principle. Uh, and the result has been um, uh, doubly bad. One, yeah. I've earned a lot of money, and at the same time, I've actually weakened my position. Yeah. And when I put both of those wow. together, uh, I, I was then trying to figure out how I'm going to unwind that. And you can't really unwind that. You simply have to do what you should have done all along. And that is to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. And are you going to do it now? I have to do that. Yeah. And it's good that you can't find peace in yourself due to the fact that you haven't stood up for what is right? Well, it's, it's actually more subtle than that. I can actually create a logical set of, of <laughs> actions that sound like it. Yeah. But luckily, I, I can tell that my brain is just coming up with stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't feel right. And uh, you can tell when it doesn't feel right. Yeah. You know, and you just sit there and you, it's such a nosebleed. You know, it's like, you have a conscience, and that's what God does. He, he uh, convicts us when we don't stand up for righteousness' sake. When we sell out for the money, or we sell out for the love, or we sell out for this or that. If you have a soul at all, it does bother you not to do it. And then the interesting thing, the devil will come in and try to say, well, you know what, you didn't do it for this reason. It's all right, just tell him this or do this. He tried to make you rationalize things so that you don't face the truth in order that you may go free. Well, your, your friends, your associates, yeah. your clients will all tell you that. So don't worry, it'll go away. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm lucky in the fact that this hasn't gone away. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. I noticed this, this week, uh, my dad's uh, 92, and he uh, went to the hospital. Is your dad John McCain? Uh, <laughs> he's cooler than McCain. <laughs> he's a lot cooler than McCain. He knows how many houses he has. Uh. And, uh, <laughs> He owns a house, and uh, so I, I was forcing myself to be patient with him um, because at 92, people need patience. Certainly I got a lot from him. My point was simply that in the process of, in this case, standing up for what was right with him, right, the person who's been patient with me, he deserved the patience. We're talking yes. 10 minutes right. of repetitive, you know how people get that I was suddenly doing what I wanted to do in this other work situation is I got myself out of the mode of work. And I suddenly became, I felt this overwhelming sense of gratefulness for what I had seen other people help me with, rather mm -hmm. than the sense of nothing's good enough, nothing's fast enough, nothing's this enough, nothing's that enough. 
And so when you stand up for what's right, other good things happen. Yeah, that's right. And also when you stand up for what is right, you don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just done. It's over. And you move right. on to the next thing. I was looking forward to that feeling. Yeah, you don't have to think about it. It's like being angry. If you deal with the person and forgive them, you don't have to think about it anymore. It's over rather than playing in your mind. Can you tell him how would he know what he want to know about Jesus? Can yeah, I tell, tell him how? Yes. I don't know that my perspective would relate to him. Uh, I think of Jesus in a different way as a consciousness, as trying to perfect myself and do the right thing, but I don't always do it either. I, sometimes I, I had a terrible situation in my life a few weeks ago, knowing something about someone and wondering should I share it with a person that it would directly impact on. And frankly, it, it, it moved me to tears constantly. I was almost a nervous wreck. Finally, I decided to do it, and yeah. I'm so glad I did, yeah. because it was like saving this man's life. Yeah. Had I not told him, it could have been horrible consequences. And I think it's the things that make you react in the right way, that's Jesus acting within you. That's the only way I can explain it. Yeah. Um, and just to add to it, you know, you're still young, uh, and right now you really don't feel like you need him. You know, you're God yourself. You know, you're young, you're strong, you're smart, you know, you're handsome. Who do you need Jesus for, right? But keep on, <laughs> but keep on living. And as you get older and you start suffering more, you know, you run into life issues a little more and things start to get tougher for you. And as you get older, you also become more aware of death. Like one day you're going to die. Come right now you feel like you're going to live forever. And you're not. How old are you now? 25. You're, oh, yeah. You got four, 25, 26, 27, 29, 30. You got five more years. <laughs> you hit 30, depression time, buddy. That's when you're going to think about Jesus. <laughs> So I wouldn't worry about him now. I would, you know, search the scriptures sometimes, pick up the Bible and just kind of read it. I would watch myself. I would pray. But I wouldn't trip right now. And time itself would bring it on to you. And you will start to wonder. Believe me, it'll come to you on its own with time. And now you don't feel like you need him. Your ego is more powerful than any Jesus anywhere else. But, it'll, it, you know, you have a decent heart. It'll, it'll start, you start to question things. But for us old people, that's all we think about. You know, I may die tomorrow of a heart attack. Who is Jesus? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry about it. It'll come. And the one good thing about having parents, one reason you should have two parents, is that they should already be living that life of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Loving one another, being fair and honest, and being a spiritual example for you. So when you become of age, you will already know where to look. But if you don't have a good parents, if you don't have good fathers who are living that example of him, it takes a little long as well. But don't worry, you'll start looking for him. All right. Pat, did you have anything? No, I just, just was, you know, wanted to say that you know, when you're young in Scott's position, you have goals, and they're worldly goals, a lot of them, and, right. and those are exciting. You, know? yeah. you want to make money, you want to get out there, you want to... There, there's exciting things going on with other younger people. There's, yeah. there's all sorts of new things, and it's a, very, you know, it's a very exciting time. So, you know, how much space is there in your life to be thinking about that? 
older people with more time on their hands and who've already met a lot of their goals. Right. When you've met a lot of your goals already, you kind of also see the other side of the goal, which was the goals are always look more exciting in the beginning, but if you've met some goals, they look a little different to you at that point. And then you start to kind of have that, is that all there is kind of thing, which gets people thinking yeah. beyond just the basic goals of life. You know, and again, that's why it's good to have good fathers in the home, because the father would be a living example of Jesus. And so the kids would go out there in the world, and they'll hustle and work hard and get all these material things. And God said that they'll deviate a little bit, but not too far away from the truth. And in due season, when they're of age, of old, of age, they'll start to come back to it. And it's not. But if you don't have parents, you will go out into the world and just, you know, you'll become a, a Bill Clinton kind of a guy, right? You, because your parents are not really setting that good example, you, you'll think that material things and power is more than anything else because you haven't had that Jesus-like image in your home. And, you know, that's why it's so important to get it in the home first. It's like a foundation that gets set. You're kind of with it at first. And you get kind of pulled a little bit away from that later, but yeah. then you kind of go back to your original kind of place later. Yeah. I hear a lot of people... Uh, you know, naming Jesus, 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 Jesus. But they see him in an in a ego kind of a way. They, they have turned Jesus into a religion. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not pushing any politician. I just want to use this for an example only. I'm not telling you how to vote or anything. But I look at the way Barack Obama is being treated. He's been treated like a movie star. You know, not like a man running for president, and is this going to be the right person? Whether it's John McCain or, what's the other guy? I mean, rather it's Barack Obama or John McCain, right? But they're treating Barack Obama like he's like um, uh, just a movie star. All their hope is in the man. And, and they treat Jesus the same way. They treated Jesus like he was a movie star and not like a man of righteousness who were pointing the way to us and just, we just have an appreciation for that. They turn them into a, uh, a religion. And when you turn them into a religion, you can't believe in him. You just believe about him. It's like these mega churches around the country. You have everybody and their mama going to these churches. And they're just, they're looking at these preachers like they're movie stars or something. You know, not like men of God who are trying to rebuke and correct and point them in the right way. It's like little ego looking at big ego and getting a sense of salvation from that. And it, that's not going to get you saved. you got to look beyond the person. you got to see for yourself that what they're saying is the truth. And if it's true, if you believe that truth, then you're going to believe back into Jesus. Then you'll find God inside of Jesus, which is inside of you. He's already inside of us. But that ego is right in the way all the time, causing you to, causing you to look for something externally to believe in and making you believe that you're believing about Jesus. And then your lives are still messed up, but you won't even question that. Well, if I believe in God, how come I still have fear? Why do I still have doubt? Why do I still have worry? Why am I angry at my fellow man? Why am I holding a grudge if I say I believe in Jesus? I was like that when I was a sinner, and if I'm saved, I shouldn't be acting the same way. But most of you believe that once you're a sinner, you're saved, you're still a sinner. They make up excuses about that, too. When you believe in Jesus, you're not going to have any of those things. No fear, no doubts, no worry. You're on your own path, being guided by what is right. 
You live in your own purpose in life. You're not in competition with anyone. You forgive your fellow man. You speak up. You know, you speak up, but you forgive. It's impossible to hold a grudge against anyone if you truly believe in Jesus. This one guy was telling me, I hate the abortionist people. I hate them. Low life, I hate them. I said, well, you can't hate them. Yes, I can. Jesus hated them. I'm like, Jesus didn't hate them. He hated the act itself. He fought against it. But he wasn't into this emotional hate that, that Christians have today. Some of the worst kind of folks are Christians. They got more hatred than the non-Christian people. They don't understand how to fight evil with love. It doesn't mean you're... He just, God doesn't want us to accept evil. He said, don't hate it because when you hate it, it overtakes you. You become like what you hate. But the Christians are not understanding that because they are not operating in love, in perfect love. You're supposed to be out there fighting. You're supposed to stand up for what is right, but you're not supposed to hate because it's not of God. And that's why it's important to know yourself so you can know Jesus. I'm telling you, folks, you got to know him for yourself. Did I see your hands somewhere? Yes. You know, when Jesus came, he was, uh, he was the second Adam. And uh, the reason he came was uh, because the blood was tainted. There were other men who were uh, almost perfect, like Abraham. He was, it was said that he was near perfect, but his blood was tainted. And so Jesus came to take back the reins, uh, to, to die for our sins, to die in perfection. And when he died, he became perfect in all ways, and he fulfilled the, the promise. Because of that, men could see him and see the perfection in him and know that they can do it. They can be perfect. Um, well, you know why? Because if, when you see the light in someone else, don't you kind of recognize that light? Like there is something different about that person. But a person of darkness don't recognize that light. They see it. They can only recognize darkness. So when Jesus came... There were those people who saw the light in him. And when they saw, they were able to believe. And when they believed, they needed Jesus no more. They went along their way. He would often say to people, it was not that I cured you or it was the faith that you had that That's cured right. you. That's I right. didn't do it. You have more power than me. You will cure more people. You, you can walk on water. It's, it's the faith that you have that causes you to walk on water. It's the faith, the mustard seed, that causes you to to move a mountain. How many people in? walked on water this morning to get here? <laughs> Nobody? There's no water. There was no water. Yeah, that's a good point. No water. Uh, so what do you think about what you hear now about Jesus as you're listening to this? Um, well, I think he seems to always be there when I need him. And when I, when I turn to him as for guidance or, or, or remember that that he created a way for me, then things always seem better than when I try to just sort of... Are there times when you don't need him? No. No, but sometimes I think I don't. Yeah. Just like, just like him, you know, some days you feel like you've got it all together and you're really strong and it's not as obvious to you that you need him. And then there are other times when things seem to be troubling that you, you reach out and you say, Sorry, I haven't been talking to you, but you know, <laughs> here I am again. Yeah. So sometimes your ego takes over, and that's when things fall apart. Right. But during that moment, you feel like you don't need him because ego's in control. Right. And then when you see you can't have him, then you cry out to him. 
A lot of people do that. I used to do that all the time. You know, when trouble came, I made all kind of promises to God. If you help me with this one, I'll stay with you. <laughs> and you know, God, just help me through this. I'll pray every day. You know, I'm so sorry. If you help me, I'll help my fellow man. And as soon as the problem passes, I'm back to my old way. Forget about the promise. I have no more pain. Just lie through the whole thing, right? I have to tell you, I absolutely know within myself there's never a moment when I don't need him. I, I, you know, as, as I lay down my ego, I see that there's never one moment when I don't need him. Because the moment I trust myself, I lose. I can't trust me that ego aspect of me, which is really not me, but what I've identified with, I can't trust that at all. And so even when there, are, there seems to be no trouble in my life, I still know I need him. And that's why I get up every morning and every night and have my quiet time with him so that he can guide me through life. Because challenges can come at any moment and just knock your socks off. Have you noticed that? You can be riding along and floating along with your gangster lead, and he'll wipe you out. You know, you'll be on the freeway playing your rap music, and he'll wipe you out. So, and, and the reason for that, because as long as you're connected with him, you're connected with a higher level of consciousness, with insight. And you can always see your enemy coming before they can overtake you. Whatever that enemy may be, whether it's lying or stealing or cheating or choosing the wrong person as a husband or wife, whatever it is, if you're conscious which is the mind of God, then you can always see. And so I know I can't afford to take the risk not to seek after him. And I, but I know the feeling, before understanding this, I know what you mean. And like when things were fine, I didn't need him. And as soon as the trouble came, I needed him. And that's, that's hypocrisy at its lowest form. Even though he understands it, he will help you. But he wants you to have a full life. He wants you to become whole. He wants you to, what does it mean to have eternal life? What's the word eternity? What does eternity mean? Forever. Forever and ever, ever, right? It means you never die from it. It's always there. It's never leave you. It's always there. Isn't that like great that you can have a life like that? Forever and ever and ever, there is no end. There is no beginning and there is no end. Isn't it great to live like that? You can absolutely live like that with no beginning and no end. You don't wake up the next, tomorrow morning thinking about today. You know, wouldn't it be nice to live that way? Yes, yes, it will. And you can do it. But you got to recognize your ego and let it go so he can come in and save you from it. Yes, Jim. Um, when you were talking earlier about uh, knowing Jesus, um, I was thinking, do people really care to know Jesus? How do you, you have to have the desire before you know Jesus. So how right. do you have the desire? Yeah. And in my case, uh, the only thing that gives me the desire is, frankly, when I suffer. When you suffer? I think there has to be a different, uh, you know, a better way. And uh, I, I heard him talking about, uh, or someone else, was it just talking about being younger and not really needing to feel like you, you know, you feel invincible and you don't really have a strong desire to find Jesus because everything's together, basically. And I, you know, in my own life, I lived many years uh, I got married later in life, and I, I guess I was on cruise control a lot of the time uh, in that sense. And I wanted, I knew that was the right way to go, you know, 
my common sense told me there's no other way but to you know live a decent life and do the yeah. right thing you know but but my desire didn't always seem to be there until I got married that would that, that, that changed a lot of things if you want to know Jesus yeah, get married <laughs> if you want to know how you want to know that you want to know Jesus get married now. The day after the honeymoon, you're like, oh, Jesus, where are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. The difference between now and before is that, I mean, you know, I'm always up against it, basically. But, you know, because I was older, I will have to honestly say my, my, <clears throat> my expectations weren't all that great, and I knew, you know, what happens in marriage a lot of times. People don't get along. There's always a, a strong friction there. And in the case of the person I married, uh, she, uh, I mean, so as it turns out, I mean, she hid her real identity until I got married. Uh, I didn't know her that long, you know, for that long. Right. But once we got married, uh, time went on, and it was still okay for a while, but. You said she hid her real identity. Yeah. After the yeah. Until but she had to do it, otherwise you would not have married her, right? Probably not. You know, if I knew she was quite as spoiled as she is, as, right. you know, as sheltered, as angry. As Nobody's going to tell that when you're dating, you're not going to tell your mate, you know what, I'm in Natty as a fruitcake. <laughs> I'm going to give you hell. But, but all the, Let's get married. You know, all the talk, you know, like when we come to Bond, we say things that are profound and deep, and, you know, we may yeah. get wowed in the moment, you know, and, and uh, you know, Think, gee, I better you know keep things together. But when it actually happens, and you you know you see you marry a certain person, and this thing can really destruct, you know, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And it has. I have to say, I thank God. I mean, uh, it's been a, you know, challenge. A challenge. But I've. Uh, you talk about <laughs> the desire to find Jesus, and uh, you know that gave me a strong desire, and it's helped me a lot. It has. Like in what way? Give me a, just a couple of quick examples well, of how I get sensitive about it because, you know, I never get sensitive when I talk to my wife. I'm always strong with her, right. very strong with her, and I have to be because she is, man, I mean, she comes from a, uh, a spirit of uh, women in her family that are, you know, a very strong spirit, dominance, and uh, another thing I didn't find about, about my wife is she's, she can be quite a bit of a bully. I mean, intimidating for a woman. That's amazing. Wow, I, I your see wife how looks so humble. I see how, huh? Your wife looks so oh, humble. Oh, I know. But man, oh man, there's really another side of that one. And I mean, I, I used to hear about this, and we used to talk about that. But I'm really, I mean, I have really been put to the test. But you know, I never ever. I, I will say this: it's made me want to, you know, have a desire to know Jesus a lot better. And I thought, boy, I better because, <laughs> you know, things aren't going to work out unless I do. And yeah. I would say probably. You know, the first couple of years, uh, you know, have been real, I mean, they were real tumultuous, and they still are, but the, the uh, coin is just starting to turn a little bit, and she just sees that there's no way that she's going to have her way, basically, and, you know, I, I stand my ground. I will say that. I mean, I have to give myself credit for that. I mean, because I, you know, I'm past the, like I say, when I got married, I didn't have any great expectations, and I passed the, you know, the uh, expectations of, you know, uh, illusions of, you know, uh, romantic love forever. You know, I knew it wouldn't be. I mean, it's, you know, marriage is a partnership. People, people get married. You have to get along on a certain yeah. level and do things together. And uh, what to, get her, to get her 
you know, to see that. I mean, she's just so, this woman was so locked into her, you know, her mother and her brother, and I mean, she never moved out of the house till she got married. She was 35 when I married her. And how old were you? 55. Wow. Yeah. And you still have troubles at that age? I have troubles. I mean, it's still hard when you get with married. With her? I mean, she's just, you know, she's never ending with her, you know, with her combativeness. <laughs> I mean, never. I mean, I, believe me. And I'm not perfect. I made, my, I made some mistakes, and, you know, I've apologized whenever I have, but, but it, it really, you know, has been a whole different world for me. But it's been good in a way. I mean, what know, is causing it, you to be emotional about it right now as you well, talk about I, it? Well, I don't know. I, I think because I've never had anybody to talk to, it, to, talk to about it except yeah. here. You know, I've held it in a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, and I'm sure not in the hell going to cry in front of her. You know, because uh, I, I could tell with a woman like that, it, you know, that would just be a total sign of weakness and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be helpful. But, uh, can you, can you, I can see it now. She walks in, you're crying. She's like, why are you crying, Jim? It's just hard being married. Yeah. <laughs> you give no, me so much problems. Like, yes. I, I <laughs> right on, Lord. You know, uh, the thing, I could see where a lot of uh, men, why marriages just don't last very long at all. Because, I mean, you hit something like that, and, man, I could see how most people would be out of there. You know, but we do have a little daughter. We're blessed with a, an awesomely yeah. beautiful, healthy, happy daughter. And that is, you know, really, you know, the thing that keeps me in there. Uh, because <clears throat> I could see that, you know, if I don't, you know, uh, do what I'm supposed to do as a, in my position as a husband, father, and these things, that, uh, you know, my daughter's life is, is on the rocks, basically. I mean, the truth of it is, is that, you know, when men do walk out, I mean, I can see it so clearly now how the mother just kind of takes over and, you know, the kids end up all confused and messed up. I mean, men can confuse kids too, but, yeah. I mean, in this case, I could see where my, my wife has been so programmed to, uh, you know, she's definitely, you know, just so programmed to be down on men because her father failed her and uh, the women in her family have this incredible dominating spirit. I never realized how strong it was and in her until I was living with her and being with her. Yeah. I'm telling you, it is really, I, this coming to bond or this is, you know, it was easy to come to bond today. I haven't been here for a long time because there were other issues I think before that had been, you know, kind of stopping me, you know, from coming. We could talk about that if you want some other time. but. But uh, recently, my whole focus—it's a 24/7 situation. I've got to be—I've got to be there with my wife and my daughter all the time, and it is a—you know—it's a big job, mm -hmm. and and it's—that's where my focus is at. That's what's most important. That's—you uh, know—everything in my life. You know, putting God first, of course, but yeah. but then that's next, and everything else is just insignificant. Uh, mm -hmm. Keeping that going. If ever I needed you, Lord, I need you now. So that's why I say, when we were talking about knowing Jesus, it's really the desire, it's the pain, you know, the, the, you know, you look on the other side and you see, well, geez, you know, what would happen, you know, if, if, like, even your marriage doesn't work? That's a whole new world of tragedy and uh, unhappiness and putting together pieces for a lifetime, especially at my, at my age, you know, I don't want that to happen. And right. I don't think it will happen. Before you got married, did you, what did you think about it? Did you think it would be nice or I was attracted, easy? I'll tell you, before I got married, uh, you know, uh, 
I had never been married before, and I, I will say that the innocence of a woman still attracts. I, I could have married, you know, probably nicer looking, you know, more dazzling, you know, uh, interesting, perhaps more, women more my age. But I was always, I did always want to marry someone who, you know, was basically untouched, which she, I will say that. She, right. I could see she had a good heart, and basically. You know, I didn't see the quite the whole picture, but basically you know, a good heart. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, deep down inside, I'll have to say, I mean, she's not a an evil person, but but you know that, of course, you know, when, when we had the baby, that's really when things started to really change when she got pregnant. I mean, I could just see that basically I was no longer needed in her opinion. Wow. You know, I was just. She's okay, been, you she's been hinting the D word ever since uh, I'd say for two years every day straight. Wow. I mean, the D says, word. Oh yeah. What's the D word? The D word. Divorce. Oh, yeah. we, are we allowed to say divorce now? Yeah. Did that word been buried by the end yeah. of the season? <laughs> but I mean, so that's she, just her. She's you know, I, you with divorce. But I just chalk that up to her immaturity and you know, not not knowing what she's doing. You know, I, it, <laughs> now I'm at a point where I just just you know keep quiet and stop it. You know, just ridiculous. Wow. So, but she, you know, she did turn out to be uh, not the person I thought, but I could still see how now I could make it work and it could be fine with the grace of God. And, you know, I say a prayer uh, over my daughter's bed every night before I go to bed and I, I pray for guidance. I pray right, right there in front of my wife and the daughter and I, you know, because I need it every day and I really need it and I want it and I've gotten it so far, it looks like. And, it's uh, not over it's, yet. It's, it's not over yet, but it's, but I don't see any other way. Give it 50 years. It's not going to get better until 50 years. You know, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think what a consolation. I, I could actually see. Uh, Just before you die. I always tell her, you know, all you need to do really is grow up. That's, yeah. that's what it comes down to for her. She's just, Let me ask you this because of time. What is your weakness in this, in this marriage? Where have you gone wrong and where do you go uh, wrong in the marriage? I've overreacted a couple of times. Uh, I'd say I have the, you know, I got a lot, I, I have a lot of patience with my wife and especially with my daughter, but uh, she tempts me all the time. And well, you know, some, Yeah, I mean, she's <coughs> constantly doing that. And uh, there was an incident, I think the worst part was when she put earrings on the baby's ear when she was only a year old. She had her ears pierced. And, you know, we had talked about it. I said, no, I don't, I don't think we ought to do that. And she went ahead and did it anyway. And she wouldn't take the, now a lot of people said this is not such a big deal, you just should have let it go, but it bothered me. And I didn't think that was right. I didn't yeah. like feeling jewelry on my daughter's ears. There, you know, there's not even a purpose for it. Not Why? a purpose Why? for it. Purpose you know, on a baby. You know, but, uh, but I had to, you know, uh, I, I, I didn't handle it right. I got angry, but I finally got her to take the earrings off. But I did it in a, you know, a kind of a hostile way. Big mistake. And how Jesus has been of help to you? By, <laughs> I would say by just, uh, I've, by being patient, more patient, you know, by being as patient as possible and not letting those situations come around. But, um, you know, it is, there is a place. I mean, I'm not saying it was right, I was completely right, but there is a place for a man to, I mean, if need be, I don't. I'm not a proponent proponent of it, but to be physical in some kind of a way. I mean, you know, not to be a a wife beater or anything like that. But I mean, a man's strength 
you know, it has to be sometimes, uh, a woman will, my wife, you know, my wife, she actually thinks in her, in her mind that she could beat me up physically. <laughs> she, she believes that. And she's a strong woman. I will, I've never had a stronger woman. She is unbelievably strong. She's a nurse, right? She's an RN, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that was in the, uh, re uh, the uh, resume, if I can use that word, before I got married. Uh, that I thought, well, you know, she's an accomplished woman to some degree. I mean, to be a, an RN, it does take, you know, self-discipline, determination, and some sense of maturity, you know, to be a, an RN, I would think. And she is a good nurse, you know, she cares about her job, and she cares, she works in the NICU, she works with preemies, and she cares about the kids right. dearly. She, you know, she, she's a good nurse. But uh, I would say that uh, I, I absolutely have the desire now to find out more about uh, the son of the father yeah. for him to be there. Because bet, there's just no other way. I yeah. will tell you right now, I'd be out of there. Yeah. You know, so. Um, an amazing story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was about average for everybody. It is. But you know, I don't think... Nothing new, though. Yeah, nothing but yeah, new. Amazing. Yeah, well, I, for some reason, I'm thinking that when people get married at an older age, it's not as rough, you know, like as it is for young couples who come well, together. Well, I married someone 20 years younger than me. It was her first marriage. Oh, okay. Uh, and like I say, I didn't know her. And you've never been married before either, right? No. Okay. Have you? No. Never? Not yet. <laughs> and after this story, it don't look like I'll be doing it. So, okay. <laughs> Because you know, a, a detractor of yours, a detractor of yours, said that you were married twice before. And that was, I thought that was such a big lie. I'm never married. Yeah. And you work for Jesse. Why do you think I'm so happy? That you work for Jesse Jackson. And, uh, Why do you think I'm free? Yeah. Well, I know you had a son. You had a son, but you, yeah, you've never been married. Yeah. You, I did it the easy way, buddy. Huh? I, I got I, I got my son the easy way. Oh, okay. Made a baby laugh. And waited for 18 years for him to fire me. No, I'm kidding. Sometimes I'm just joking. Sometimes all I, joke. Dad told me to correct that. Okay. I, I had this son at 18. Didn't know what I was doing. I paid a price for it. I regret it. All right. So I'm just joking. Thank you, Dad. Sometimes I think. No, they take my words, and tomorrow I'll be on YouTube, <laughs> and all my joking part will be edited out. <laughs> you Some should go on YouTube. They have me looking just as silly up there. It's amazing what you've done. Sometimes I think back to when I was single, how much easier it was, and if I could just kind of like, I mean, if I gave her her way, she would love just to go back to her mother and take the baby and live there. Wow. Yeah. If I gave her her way, that would be... Meaning that you won't let her go? Of course not. How do, so when you're not at home, is she like locked away or something? I, I have a secret <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> But, you put uh, these iron doors on so she can't get out. It's called seeing through the, it's called just seeing through the fallacy of, you know, what she's trying to put forth, the, uh, the unreal. So what does it feel like knowing that she wants to leave you? Uh, it really doesn't bother me. Oh, it doesn't bother you at all? Uh -uh. Oh. Not in the least. Oh, Because okay. I just know it's, you know, it's something else. I tell her all the time, you know, you're listening to something else inside you that's telling yeah. you this. It's all the voices, you know, she, and she has a problem with you know, I, I always try to tell her to get quiet, get still. I, I do all that, and sometimes it does help her. Uh, but uh, she's not consistent with anything. She's, you know, 
So you ever feel like walking out yourself, like giving up on it? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, the thought has, I would never do it, but I mean, the thought, I, I just thought, gee, it would be nice just to take a, about an 18-year break, break and come back and see how my daughter's doing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I could never do that. I want to yeah. be part of her growing up, and, yeah. and she's doing so well. Right. And she's, yeah, it's definitely know. important as you see this room. You can't walk out. Because your wife needs you, too. My wife what? She needs you. Oh, does she ever? Yeah. yeah. She, I mean, I, you yeah. know, I could see that we... I mean, we talked about it for 35 years, you know, uh, the man needs to save the wife from herself so he can be saved from her or something like that. You know, you got to save your wife from herself, basically. Right. I mean, in this situation, maybe not in every situation, but in this situation, um, you know, it's, it's definitely true because she, she, she needs help badly. And I, I actually have compassion for her, even when she's saying the things she says that are so off the wall. And so I almost have to, I, sometimes I actually go and laugh to myself in private because it's just it's 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 just so silly you know she's just so confused about you know what a man's role really even yeah. is uh, you know I mean you know she uh, she talks a lot about bond she brings bond up a lot because when you were at her wedding and you said those words which I asked you to say you know she didn't like them what words well about the, the member the preacher didn't include what I asked the preacher to include that the um, man or the woman should be obedient to the man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obey well, your husband. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, that, of course, nowadays is completely politically incorrect with all women or most women. And just using those words, obey, is, you know, they always reflect back to the, you know, at least in the, well, I guess in any culture, many cultures, you know, where the man is just boss and they always think of him being a tyrant, mean, and a bully. Right. And, you know, when they think of obeying, you know, I got to obey to, the, you know, but that's not what's meant by that. It's not just, at all. It's meant that, you know, a, a woman should just follow her man, especially when he's trying to do the right thing. It really just means obeying the spiritual order of God. You know, God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, woman over children. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other, but it's the image of the kingdom of heaven that we live out when we respect that order. And when men love being men in the right way and women love being women in the right way, that order is there and things work out. I mean, we have to obey God if we want to have a life. We can't disobey him and expect to have a life. And if you fight against that, you're going to catch hell. Well, I, I so, see, but the ego make you think it's something else. What I see so clearly is that as long as... As long as I have the desire to include Christ in my life, there's no way that she has a, a chance in hell right. to do what is inside her that wants to be done. It is just has no, it has no chance. Yeah, yeah. Speak and that's that. why. That's why you know there's just she's not going to have her way. She's not going to do what she wants to do, and I don't have to be mean about it. I right. just have to be strong about it. And that's yeah. all I've been. I, and and I can tell it's really bothering you, though. Know, it's really. Well, it's inside. deep because I've, you know, I, I, I haven't had anybody to talk to about this in three years, over three years now that I've been married, or two and a half years. Wow. Three, three years I've been married, but I haven't been around here in a couple of years at least. And why haven't you talked to some of your friends about it? Why are you keeping it to yourself like that? Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm here today because, uh, you know, you know, some of them think my wife is keeping me from, you know, coming to church, and that's not really true. Right. That's not really the reason. That's that's the last reason. She has. I do what I what I have to do or what is right for me to do. I do. You know, I don't you know, whatever she has to say about it, you know, yeah. she can take it up with me later. 
Are you still doing your prayer? All the time. All the time. <coughs> Let me ask this, and then we have to move on. Yeah. I, I needed to give you that opportunity to get this off your chest. Yeah. You know, since you haven't been here. Um, during the wedding ceremony, when she didn't want to say, I will obey my husband, they wanted to take it's that out. It's not that she didn't say it, but the preacher didn't put it in there, remember? He didn't uh, put it in there. Oh, I asked him to, and he didn't put it in there. Oh, I see. You, you but said she I, didn't have, I thought she had a problem. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. we discussed it, and you said, uh, I wouldn't pay the preacher, which <laughs> probably would have been a good idea. Yeah. Because he wrote me a letter of apology later and says, I said, why didn't you put it in? He said, well, people don't do that nowadays. I asked him to put it in. Yeah. You know, and then I, I had you, you know, make that little speech about how important it was, and that ticked a lot of people off. Oh, yeah? The women, especially in that crowd. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife, of course. Um, but, uh, but you said she had a problem with it, too, right? The, the word obey. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a killer word. And did you know that before you married her? That no, she agreed to it. Oh, she, she agreed she to have that. She agreed to have that in the in the. Before I told marriage. her I was gonna. We're gonna have that put in the vows. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't ask if you had known that. If, <laughs> let's say you had known that before that she didn't want to obey. Would you have married her? I mean, it's beforehand knowledge. Well, that would have been something we would have had to have talked about for sure. Yeah. You know, but she just basically went along. She wanted to get married and she wanted to have a child. That's what it came down to a lot with her. You know, she says. You never love me. I never love you, and you know that's wow. what it's about. You know, and Hello, she, hits with, she hits me with that all. She hits me with that all the time. You don't love me, and I don't love you. She said, "I don't love you." Yeah, I don't love you. Well, I'll say, but we, but we love the baby, and don't I say? And I said, "Don't speak for me." Yeah. Uh, don't speak for me. How do you know I don't love you? I do love you. I, I'm here with you. I'm 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 doing what I'm supposed to do. This is this is you know this is the reality of what love really is is to stay with someone. And, yeah. and I think I, I think I can actually see at this point is as tumultuous and as ridiculous as it has been at times. I can actually see a light at the end of the tunnel now, where she is just starting to you know wake up a little teensy weensy bit. Yeah. You know, and starting to she's just at the point now where she just is kind of giving up her act. You know? Why do you think she thinks she can beat you up? Because my wife is... Uh, did she say that or something? Well, no, yeah, she did. She, she said, said, I can yeah. beat you? She says, I'm, you know, when we, you know, we had uh, an episode or two with that too, and uh, I, uh, she's actually a, you know, I, she's, she comes off as this timid person, but she has another side to her that is, uh, could actually be you know, intimidating. You know, right. yeah. I mean, she, she, she has a uh, an aggressive side, a uh, bullying side, and uh, I've actually, you know, I've actually realized after being married to someone like that that there are men that actually believe probably their wife can beat them up, and probably can because they yeah. just have no. Uh, there's no there there. There's nothing in there that would. I have a hand. You know, that would, uh, that, would, that would fight back or stop them if they started hitting them because they have this idea that, well, it's a woman, I can't do anything. Yeah. That, that's baloney. Yeah. Yeah, I have an aunt who would pick up her husband and throw him across the coffee table. I literally remember one day sitting there as a little kid. I'm sitting on the couch, and this is the truth, and I reminded them of this when I went back for the uh, family reunion. My aunt, I'm sitting on the couch, little kid, and all of a sudden they get to arguing. 
And the next thing I knew, they were going at it, you know, like punching it out, right? And I'm sitting on the couch like this, the coffee table right there. She literally picked them up and just threw them on the coffee table and broke the coffee table right in front of me. I'm like, Lord, I get out of here. I, I, like, I, I literally ran out of the room. I was so scared. Because I'm a little kid, and I never expected her to pick him up. She picked him. He's a big guy. He's about air size. She literally, she literally picked him up, I'm telling you, and, and just flattened the coffee table with him. I'm like, wow, my hand is tough. Yeah, and from that point forward, I was afraid of women. Physically strong women, I, I, I tell you. Yeah, I saw one time yeah. she could pin me. And I couldn't hit her. So. You know, uh, I had a, a, a young lady on my radio show. What was the lady name, Hermes? The one that wrote the book to help women understand men. Alison Armstrong. You ever heard of her? Alison Armstrong. She she's trying to help women understand men so that you know bring these relationships together. And she said that um, women, not all, but most of them, actually believe in their hearts that it's their spiritual responsibility given to them by God to demasculate men. They really believe that. They're not like just faking it. They believe that they I, were sent by God to do this. I think there's that potential in every situation. If the man does not take his place, there's that potential. Yeah. It's just chemistry. But I didn't know that they believe that, though. Mm. You, you say that's not true? That's not true. I don't, she said not all, so I'm sure all women don't feel that way. But, but this lady's been going around talking to a lot of women. You need to read a book. What's the book? Uh, understanding Men. Yeah, Understanding Men. That's not true? So how come this battle is going on then? She's got the battle, I think. She wrote the book because she needed You heard of her? I have never heard of her. Yeah. She, she was on a dentist show. She put a pop on her. Yeah. I've seen her on Fox News and stuff. It's really to destroy men. But let me just say this. Um, back to your situation real fast. Um, the, way this, the only way this thing is going to survive is that, and it sounds like you are doing that, I would seek God first. You know, and I, and I would seek him to understand myself, you know, to know yourself better so that you can make sure that you have a right relationship with him first. Because one of the problems that people make, especially in relationships, there's a need for one another in the wrong way. You know, you make me happy, I'll make you happy. You don't make me happy, I won't make you happy. Uh, you give me love and I'll give you love. You don't give me love, I won't give you love. And that kind of stuff will not work. It just cannot work. And that's why God has that order there. And it is the man's responsibility to first love God more than anything else in the world, more than he does himself, his wife, or his children. So that when, when you love God more than anything else, you literally have a perfect peace with him, and it affords you the opportunity not to need anything from anyone, especially not to need love, not to make someone make you feel good. Because people are going to only make you feel good temporarily. They get tired after a while making you feel good. And the moment they don't make you feel good, you're ready to fight for that feeling, right? But if you already have perfect peace, and these fights come on, or these disagreements you know, come, and they will, you won't take it personally. It won't feel like a personal attack. You will understand that this person, whether it's the man or the woman, can't help themselves. They really want to do the right thing, but they can't. And then that will cause you to be patient through that, to be honest but patient, and not taking it personal. And that's how that marriage can last forever and ever. But if you need that person emotionally, 
or in any way at all, you're going to trip out and it's going to be hell, especially when the two need each other in that way. That's why God said we should seek him first and love him. And what happens is he dwells in us and he causes us to love others the way he loves us. And you can take it or leave it at that point. And that way people don't make you go up and down in your emotion. You must be born again. What? Really, that's how this thing is going to work. I see that so clearly yeah. in my marriage. And, and I'll tell you, the one thing that I would never do, I, I see the, I really always, I see what you're saying so clearly now after being married and being through this. Trying to make somebody happy, somebody else happy, is the biggest mistake you can make. You can never, you can ever, make, ever, I've, but never, uh, ever, <coughs> ever, ever, never, ever, try ever, ever. And never, never, never. And that applies. Make another person happy. And, and that applies more more to a re marriage relationship than make another else. person happy. Make that your effort to make another person That's happy. Right and my and my mother-in-law, who I, you know, where she gets a lot of her problems from, but I think too deep deep down somewhere in there is, is not a, is not a bad person, but she's she's pretty bad. But I, she told me that that her daughter is so miserable. I've never seen her this miserable in all her life. And I thought to myself, when she said that, I must be doing a good job. Yep. I must be doing a real good job. Oh, her mother-in-law told you that your yeah, wife is real. She has never been so miserable. Wow. And I says, well, I says, then that, that's, that's not bad. You know, with my, my, it sounds sarcastic, but in my situation, believe me, that's a good sign. You know, for now, but I can see I, I, she has to get over it herself. I just have to do what I have to keep on doing, like what you were saying is put God first, which, yeah. which uh, believe me, I see the importance of that more than I ever have since I've been married. You got to put him first. Yeah, if you don't, I mean, it's just. As it, a matter of fact, your wife needs you to you're do You're done. That. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's important, too, to date for a long time before marriage. I say, yeah, not a bad idea. I say seven years. I know a lot of people don't like that long, like seven years. <laughs> but you, you can learn, learn a lot about a person seven years. <laughs> and seven years sound like a long time, but it goes by. Look how fast this year gone by. You know what I'm saying? Look how fast eight years have gone by. Since President Bush got in for an example. It doesn't seem like it's been eight years, right? But it's been eight years. And it goes by just like that. So seven years is not a long time. But at least... And, and no sex while you're dating. No, no sex while you're dating. And you'll get to know each other then. And after that seven year period, you're ready. Boy, if I made that mistake, I may never have had a chance. No, you would. It just seemed that way, but you will. Seven years. Seven years before you get married. No, I was saying I, I dated her for seven months. So you dated for seven months? Yeah. Well, no wonder. Not seven years. I got the sevens mixed up. Oh. Yeah, I've had seven years, not seven months. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, I just wanted to say to Jim that um, I'm. it makes me really happy to hear that he's staying in there for his daughter because yes. he doesn't necessarily you know, need, even if his wife is crazy, that's the most important thing and probably the most fulfilling thing he can do is ra raise a stable child. And, um, you know, I, I, I can see what he means by um, hearing, I think, from uh, his mother-in-law that she's miserable because, you know, if he's giving her doses of the truth and that's making her miserable, but that's the only way that she's going to change is yes. by seeing that misery. But, you know, it's the only, like, I don't know, it just makes me really happy, like, knowing personally how important it is to have your father there for you. It just means the world to his and, daughter. And, and to add to what Kelly's saying, if I let my daughter just go with her. I mean, it would be, I know she wouldn't have a chance. She just wouldn't have a chance in that atmosphere because there's, they're already, you know, programmed to, uh, you know, uh, 
do the same things that uh, had, has been going on for generation and generation in that family. I can just, I could feel the force of that generation. From, they used to talk about her grandmother. I mean, that, her grandmother was real bad. I mean, they even, <laughs> she even admits it. So, is your wife black? <laughs> so it doesn't matter what color you are. No, I'm just kidding. Jim, I know your wife is Hispanic, right? Actually, she's my, my nationality. She's Italian, Sicilian Italian. Oh man, those Sicilian. That's even worse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sicilian is the the mafia side, you know. Let me just say, I agree with what Calvin said. I'm glad you're hanging in there. And if we can get men and women to come together and hang in there with one another, to love one another and not think about themselves, even through the rough battle, we can, we can rebuild the family then. But most men would run and leave their kids and leave oh. their wives. Oh. And the wives and kids end up suffering even oh. more so. Yeah. So you have a spiritual responsibility oh. to hang in there and not think so much about yourself, but about your family. You have to take a stand. Even in anything in life, like yeah. Ed was saying in his job, and but in, in your marriage especially, because I mean, it, it all, you know, goes to hell in a handbasket if uh, yeah. if if the man doesn't, you know, just do what he's supposed to do at least, you know, speak up when he's supposed to be there, and you know, even if he gets beat up a little bit, you know, try to be strong, stand, yeah. hang in there, you know. Don't take it personal. No, yeah. you know, she really, you know, she she gets to me sometimes because. Sometimes I'm tired and, I mean, this woman, she never stops. I mean, she just, I mean, it is, I mean, just constant. I mean, she just, every day she has to say something negative. I'm on that license. You know, every day you do have to say something negative to undermine her marriage. Every day. Not one day do I, that goes by. And when she's at work, frankly, you know, she works part-time two days a week. It is a nice break for me. And I, you know, I, I get a little breather there. I'm always asking her when she's going to work next. <laughs> but, oh, honey, where's your work? Where's your work schedule? <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, you know, even my, a person like me who, uh, you know, I didn't know I had this kind of strength even myself. But I, God, God blessed me with a certain amount of strength yeah. to be able to deal with. I think deal with it. I think. That's one thing I love about God is that if we're willing to endure to the end, He's never going to give us more than what we can handle. We really can handle everything that He put upon us, and we have faith in Him. You're never, ever, ever going to get any more than what you can take on. And if you just know that, it'll help you see it through. You're absolutely right about that. Oh, wow, man. Very interesting story. Yeah. So it is, uh, it is a different life than I expected. But, but we're going go to we're gonna gonna see, we're gonna see to it that it, uh, you know, that it turns out all right with my daughter at least. Do you still work out at the gym? Oh, all work? the time, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah, all the time. Right. And I'm, uh, I, I figure I better yeah. if I want to handle her. <laughs> you, know, you, it's, my, you know, my health is very important because, I mean, it is, I, I tell you, serious, in all seriousness, it is a drain, it can, can be a drain and it takes a lot of energy to deal with a strong personality like that all the time. Yeah. You know, it can be. I mean, even if you're, you know, psychologically, <laughs> spiritually, it, it's, you know, it takes energy, so. Wow. What do you think about what you just heard from him? Well, I think it's wonderful that he's trying. Yeah. And I have more power to him. Yeah. And not to change the subject, but could I ask you some? Sure, sure. I, when the young lady talked about uh, her beliefs, and I'm so glad that she's going into teaching, because I've been hearing so much lately on the news about our university professors. Oh, yeah. And the statistics that a child, no matter what you do at home, 
to teach them about God and Jesus, when they go to college and they get out of the university, 55 to 75 percent of them don't believe in God anymore. I know. Now, what can we do about that? We have teachers like this young lady, but yeah. what can we do? First of all, really everything starts in the home first. And we really have to be, as parents, be good examples for our children first, spiritually. Fathers and mothers have to be good examples for them so that when they go out into the world, they're not easily seduced from what is right. The problem is, one of the problems is that the family is so broken. And those parents who have stayed together, they're fighting, they're not getting along. And then in the Christian community, they're not living up to the what Christianity should be about. And the kids are growing up watching this, and so they're like, if this is what God is all about, then I don't want anything to do with him. And so many of them will pretend that they believe in God until they leave home. And when they go out into the you know, schools around the country, they're easily taken away from them. But if they had a solid foundation at home, it'll be more difficult to do that. And we absolutely need good, upright teachers who love what's right to be involved in that too. And the unfortunate thing is that most of these teachers are, uh, are spiritually dead. They're on the wrong side of what is right. And so they're influencing our children. I had another uh, a, a black guy, a guy who happened to be black on my show this weekend. He said he had gone to college, and he disagreed with me. I mean, he just hate me all the way, right? And he said that I went to college, and I took a black history class, and I made an A in that class because they were talking about how bad this country is and slavery and what they've done to black folks. And they taught me in that school that I made an A in my black history class. I'm like, did you make an A in anything else? No. But he's been so brainwashed and so dumbed down and so angry that he's just far away from the truth. And yet he says he believes in God. I asked him, are you a Christian? Yeah, he's not. But they are brainwashing our kids. We need more private universities, I think. Uh, in the older days, they had schools that taught the principles of God and, 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 and principles of America, and our kids came out better people for it. We really need more of those, too. And you only have a few good Christian teachers that are in these schools now. And it's just unfortunate, absolutely unfortunate. Yes, ma'am? I was just going to say that um, one of the best things, one of the best gifts I think that Jim can give his daughter is to be a good role model. For yeah. his daughter, yes, because um, my dad was a great role model for me, and um, Ed will often say, Ed never met my dad, he died, and he will say, your dad taught you such great values, yeah. and he did that because he was a man of God, and he would, um, he would get up and go to church on Sunday, and sometimes he would take me with him, and my mom and my dad didn't get along all that well, but they, um, they did stay together yeah. while, I was, while I was younger. But the point I wanted to make was that um, my dad was just one of those people that would always do the right thing. And he would always say, this is the right thing to do. And yes. um, this is honest or this is good or whatever. And it, it stuck with me through the rest of my life, even when there were times when other people were suggesting that I shouldn't do things like that. Um, he was always the one who, who did that. And one of the things that my dad did was he played in a dance band. And he played till like one or two o'clock in the morning on Saturday nights, but he would still get up and go to Sunday school and church on Sunday morning. Right. And because he made that extra effort to do that, I could see how important it was to him. Yes. And then that, because I think what kids learn when they're three and four and five and six, 
are some of the best learnings that they ever have in their entire lives. Absolutely. So what you do when they're little, as hard as it is, it counts for so much more than you can really recognize. Amen. The, the love, there's nothing like the love of a father. There's nothing like it. The love of a good father. A lot of men don't realize the imprint that they can leave on their children. God forbid they should end up in a divorce, but if they leave that imprint there, it is there. It stays with them, and the kids may end up hating the father a little bit, mad because he's not there. But that little imprint that the fathers leave on you, the father leaves on you, that love that he put there, it stays there forever and ever and ever. And people just don't understand that. That love of the father, there's nothing like it. And then when you get a certain age, it's easier to go back to God because you respect your father. Yeah. It really is written. But if you hate your father, it's, it's hard to believe in God. But you make a very important point. Yes, ma'am. Uh, one thing I wanted to recommend to Jim is to start noticing when he's judging his wife because um, I think that that's why he's um, so affected by her. Yes. Um, and why it's tough for him because when you you know you judge other people, especially those that are tempting you the most to get angry, you start judging yourself, and it just makes you unhappy. And like very just to start point. noticing um, when he's doing that because it'll be so much easier to deal with her when he stops reacting to. You know, and be less cynical about it. You can't, and, and, and that's why I still with you, even though you haven't had anyone to talk to you and say, you know, you're feeling this because you are judging her too. The pressure is just so much that you're I resenting. I catch myself doing that. I'm sorry? Well, I'll tell you though, it's... You say you catch yourself doing no that? There's no excuse for judging, but there's never an excuse for judging. <laughs> never <laughs> an excuse for judging. Right. I couldn't agree more. But boy, I'll tell you, the temptation can be so strong sometimes yes. I'm not using it as an excuse. No, you're right. It but, can uh, be. I'm telling you, you know, it's just, uh, you do fall into that trap, which, which you described, and it makes it, you end up being unhappy when that happens, because That's you right. failed, really, you know, and you, you didn't yeah. handle it right. That's right. You can't handle it right. If you and failed. you need to recognize that the moment you do it, and let it go. I'm getting real good at just letting it go by me, yeah. you know, and just, you have I, to. I, I haven't been perfect, but I, I see, uh, a lot of, I see not a lot, but I see some improvement in her, you know, yeah. so it's... But, I just want to go back to that, don't resent her at all. You got to let it roll off your back. No, it's not personal. If your wife could do better, she would. It's really not personal. She's giving you what is inside of her. This is all she has to offer. And so you cannot, being the head of your family, you cannot afford for one minute to resent her because of who you represent. So you have to just let it roll off your back, be honest, straight up, but don't resent her at all. Well, if that becomes a problem with my, with my wife, eventually I'm going to have that problem with my daughter. And yeah. I don't have that with my daughter. That's right. And I don't want that to be with my daughter. That's I right. I want that kind of... So, yeah, forgive her. She knows not what she does. What she does. Forgive her. But it's Very like good. raising... I, I feel like I'm raising really two daughters. That's your responsibility. Two daughters. You need to be a good father. Very good point. Let me just ask real fast, is your mother getting better? Uh, yes, she is. What, what does she need to improve on? She's still low-key, well, she still nags sometimes. She still eggs on a conversation when it's done. She does what now? Like, she eggs on, like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you uh, sure? I'm like, yes. Yeah, that'll drive you to drink. <laughs> <laughs> But she's getting better. Sometimes. Yeah, and so are you, are you more patient with her now? Yeah, sometimes. I'm sorry? Sometimes, yeah. like, 
if she she points out little things, I'll be like, okay. And then she'll point it out again, I'll be like, okay. And then continue, but I'll be like, mom. She'll be like, okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> well, good. I want you to be patient with her in the manner that you would like for her to be patient with you. You know, you speak up, but don't resent her. She goes on and on, you just look at her like she's crazy. Like you're looking at a movie, like, wow, that's interesting. Look at mom's mouth moving. And it's not personal, all right? And you won't end up becoming like that. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. We have, we have 30 seconds before we end this? Oh, okay. Uh, anybody want to add to what you heard from Jim? We went on with that because he needed to talk about that and get that off the chest. Yes? Oh, yes, sir. say quickly, uh, she says comments like, uh, uh, like when he says comments like, uh, you say that every, you always have to say something negative every day. You're just uh, giving her ammunition to come back at you and, uh, you know, to build up a bigger case against you. I mean, you should yeah. let that go. Yeah, he just, you know, get to know yourself, let all of your anger go, because when you do that, it'll bounce off. And I, I know that because of what I have to go through. I'm not going through a marriage, but I deal with a lot of mean folks. And they try to embarrass you and all kind of stuff, right? But because I have perfect love inside of me, it rolls off my back. You know, so, and that's what's going to happen to you. You've got to let all of your anger go so you can operate strictly from love, only from love. And it'll just roll off. Your, your daughter will become a happy daughter, you know, grow up a happy daughter, and your wife will too. It doesn't look like it when you look at it in a physical sense, but if you endure, endure until the end, it will work out. And you'll be a happy husband and father in the long run. And that's what we'll try to get men to do, to overcome their anger so when they do get married, they don't leave their wives and children because the wives and children need them because of who we represent in life me to vent all of her anger on me. And that's what you're for. Yeah. Yeah. To take it. Yeah. You're there to take it and to help her to overcome it. It is not personal. When the world go after you, it's not personal. But if you're an angry person and you open up and subject to the world, it's going to feel personal. You know, I, I say this often. When I'm on TV or I'm at a meeting or black people get mad at me, the first thing they call me is nigger. And that's the worst thing you can call a person, I think. Is that the worst thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. is not the worst thing to be called? No, no. no it just fits yes. Oh, but, you know, it, it, it's like I see a mouth moving and these words are coming and bouncing off. And that's why I would think about changing my middle name to Jesse Nigger. And that would be like, yeah, hello. And they say, you're a nigger, that's right. I'm nigger. You know what I'm saying? Because we are not supposed to be moved or affected by words. You're supposed to be in the world and not of it. And that's why it is so important to have faith in God and nothing else around you. Have faith in God and everything else will work out for you. That makes sense? Yes. I want, you know, we have about three minutes left here. I really want you out there and, and, and the people here to really set your heart on things above. You know, get to know yourself. Be honest about yourself. Admit when you're wrong so that you can overcome. And God loves us, and he'll put a protective bubble around us so that the world can't come in and deceive us and hurt us and, and make us go up and down in emotion. That's what he has done for us. Christ came and put love around us so we can't be corrupted by the world around us. 
But if you don't have a real relationship with him, if you really don't know him, and you can know if you don't know him by the way you overreact to the world around you. If you're emotionally attached to your outer environment, then you don't know, you don't have a relationship with God. That makes sense? If the world can build you up and tear you down, then you don't have a real relationship with God. You know about him, but you don't know him. That's how you can know. Because once he changed my heart, I'm not moved by the world around me. Really, I didn't do it, but he just took that away from me, so I'm not hurt by it. So that's how you can know. It's your reaction to the world around you. Do you overreact or overcome? All right? Uh, thank you for tuning in. Go to my website. We have a, a CD there called Be Still and Know. And what it does is when you sit and pray, God says, sit, shut up, and know him, and he will come and save you. He will open up your heart so that you can see. Be Still and Know is on, the, uh, is on our website, bondinfo.org. We have a seven guarantee step to spiritual family and financial success. We also provide counseling. If you're in this city or not, we can do it by telephone. You can give us a call at 800-411-BOND, 1-800-411-2663. Also, uh, with your tithe and offering, we need your donations because we want to get more cameras here. We want a lot of other things we need to do. So we need your tithe and offering to help us, to help others. Um, uh, tune into my radio show, Monday through Friday, from 9 a.m. to, from uh, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We just added on a new station out of Memphis, Tennessee. So it is wild, folks. You definitely want to tune in for that. And I want to say to you guys this week, just watch yourself and be honest about yourself this week. Don't nag, mama. Just say what you have to say and leave it alone. And let the people decide what they want to do with it. We can't force people to love us, all right? The battle is a spiritual battle between good and evil. Thank you so much, and God bless you. And thank you, guys.